When we, uh, when we are starting our lives and uh, at some point in our life, we begin to dream about our future, we begin to dream about builder, building our life into different things that, um, that we want. And so we, we just begin to think of our life almost as different bricks and different things that we're going to put together to, to make the foundation of our life. And it could be Things, dreaming about one day getting married, dreaming about one day having kids, different bricks like your education, different bricks like your, just your financial life, and you begin to put all these pieces together. As we talk through our sermon today, I want you to think and, and think about your mental health as being kind of the mortar between all these different compartments in your life. And if you're someone who's struggled with a mental illness or you've gone through a season where it just doesn't seem like, uh, like you do have a mental health, there's, there's just areas of unhealth that have crept in, you, begin, you can begin to understand this illustration where if you don't have a mental capacity to hold all these things together, then you don't have the, the then what happens is there begins to be a brokenness in this. This is a picture of the first house that Michelle and I ever owned, and I came out one day to discover the foundation, it was an old brick foundation, was, uh, had deteriorated, and the mortar that was there had all come out, and if I didn't do something soon, really it was going to cause a, a catastrophic, expensive failure to the entire structure. Our mental health is not something we want to play around with. It's not something we want to avoid. It's not something we want to ignore. We want to make sure that we're taking steps to, to do repairs when it's necessary, to, to take steps to get any help that's necessary, and then to make sure just that we are also looking at these things from a, from a biblical point of view, from a biblical understanding, that we're not missing out on God's ability to help us through these things and God's ability um, sometimes to even heal these things. When our life has fallen apart, we do what we can to try to put the pieces back together. So we're, we're, we know that, we've, that there's been sometimes a failure that we've done. We know that sometimes just things have fallen apart, and we, we try to put everything back together. But when there remains something that's undiagnosed, when there, when there remains something that's been untreated, when there remains just uh, a, a pattern in our life that, we're not, that we haven't fixed, things continue to break down more and more, and we can eventually get to the place where we give up completely. And we can eventually get to the place where, because there's a few loose bricks like in that picture, we say, you know what? It's no use. Nothing's ever gonna. Nothing's ever gonna change. And we do more damage than was ever there to begin with. And I don't want you to live that way. God does not want you to live that way. There's something else that He has for you. Currently, right now, they estimate that 44 million Americans have a mental health condition. They're living with. A mental health condition. 
And these are things that are uh, that are mild and um, and and it'll affect you kind of once in your life, but as you get past it, it'll never affect you again. To some things that um, that if the Lord doesn't intervene, these are things that you'll have to manage and deal with for the rest of your life. Now there are two causes to mental illness to a decline of mental health. And the first that you may be familiar with are physiological reasons. And this is, these can be all kinds of things. Sometimes an infection in one part of your body can lead to a, a mental health problem, a sickness in your brain, and we don't always see how those correlate. Sometimes, um, uh, sometimes it's a brain chemistry issue that you have but these are things that can be diagnosed. These are things that sometimes are treatable. And then we just believe biblically also that these are things that, that can be healable. That uh, a, a mental illness is not greater than any other illness. It's not greater than the name of Jesus, not greater than his ability to work and bring healing in your life. If you have been diagnosed by your doctor with a mental illness, I don't want you to be embarrassed about that. You don't have to pretend like everything's okay. You don't have to, uh, uh, you know, keep that a secret from, from your circle, from your church, from your pastors. We think about bricks and we think about mortar even the most famous buildings in the world has to have their mortar repointed every so often. So any single one of us has the ability to go through a season where, whether it's a, a, a depression, whether it's in another area of our life, every single one of us could go through this. And we don't want you to feel like you are less than anybody else, or your sickness is worse, or it has a stigma attached to it that no one else's sickness does. If you have been diagnosed with a mental illness, don't, don't stop your treatment. Don't give up on that. And even when you're going through a good season, don't stop doing the things that doctors have told you to do because you feel better. Continue to walk out the things that the doctors have told you to do. And what happens is, if you have a sickness in your body, and you begin to do what the doctors tell you to do, this begins to heal. It didn't on my foundation of my house, but in your, in you, in your mental health, it will begin to heal, and your body will, will repair itself. And these things, slowly over time, the body will begin to mend and put back together. One doctor that, I've, that I listened to at a conference a couple years ago put it this way, and I thought it was very helpful. She said um, that she likes to refer to it as brain health. Not as mental health, but as brain health. Because your brain is an organ like any other part of your body, and your brain can get sick and need treatment like any other part of your body. Your brain can get sick like your kidney can get sick. Your brain can get sick like your, your stomach can get sick. And so if you need help from a doctor to get treatment 
for another for one of your organs, don't be embarrassed about that. Just, you know, it's like you wouldn't be maybe embarrassed to go see a doctor for treatment for any other part of your body. But there is a second cause for mental illness that maybe people don't talk about, maybe you've never heard about, and I want to give you, I want to give you teaching today to help, to, for, to help you to understand, hopefully to bring freedom in your life and to allow you to have a space to have hope come into your life again, to ha- allow you to have a space to, to uh, definitely, hopefully get freedom from some of the things in your life. And the second cause for mental illness is uh, there, there are spiritual reasons for that. There are physiological reasons, but also there are spiritual reasons why you can be having uh, a mental health crisis or a mental health episode. One of the things that we read, we understand in the Bible as we read it, as we begin to learn about God, as we begin to learn about why he created the world, as we begin to learn about how the world functions and how our relationship with God, we begin to learn about all these things, we begin to realize that Jesus taught about there being a spiritual enemy. There's a spiritual enemy who seeks to kill and destroy and devour, whose purpose is to ruin your life. And that can seem like an overstep, but maybe some of you will testify, yes, he's visited my house. (laughs) There's a lot of ruins. And what happens is that their spiritual enemy sees the found, he sees your life and the things that are built in your life. And he sees, all right, maybe there's some deterioration, but he comes in to sabotage with a hammer and a chisel, and he starts trying to take out chunks and pieces, and he starts trying to bring destruction in your life. And he is actively working to unsettle things to bring destruction. He's doing whatever he can to make your life fall apart. If you suffer from something physiological, something that's been diagnosed, something that uh, you walk through, when the, what the enemy is going to try to do, what spiritual forces are going to be determined to do, is to take the things, to take the physiological problem that you have and cause you to suffer spiritually at the same time. So if you're going through a depression, the enemy is going to heap and put pressure on to make that worse, to bring condemnation against you, to speak negative things towards you. He's going to do everything he can to pile on that suffering. So you're not just, at this point, dealing with something physiological. You're simultaneously dealing with something spiritual. Some of you, you don't have a mental, there's not a a physiological reason for the things you're experiencing. It is purely a spiritual reason. Sometimes it's why things haven't been diagnosed. Because the things that are going on, it's not unhealth in your brain. It's spiritual things going on in your life. And these things are probably more common than we realize. And sometimes the enemy is so crafty, he is, uh, he is at such work in our life that the spiritual, the spiritual unhealth he brings in our life and the spiritual uh, mental unhealth that he brings into our life t- can turn into something that's physiological. 
if, if you just leave him to keep working in your life, he can sometimes do damage that seems unrepairable. There's, it seems like there's no more bricks to rebuild. There's nothing left. We're going to read in a bit about this, but in the Bible, there's a story that we're going to read, and it refers to this work of the enemy as tormenting spirits. There's an enemy tormenting you. Um, sometimes people will say this, uh, and they don't really know that this is what they're referring to, but they say, I'm, I'm haunted by these things that I've done. It always comes back. It's always chasing me. I can't escape it. Those, what you're defining when you say that is a spiritual, as a spiritual situation. There's a spiritual enemy attacking your mental health, attacking your ability to sleep, attacking your ability to be productive at work, attacking your ability to forgive, just tormenting you. Nonstop, nonstop. And this is something that you can 100% be free from. Either cause of a mental health condition, whether it's physiological or spiritual, these moments in our life, sometimes these years and decades of our life, are extremely painful. It's extremely painful to try to put your life back together but be unable to, to try to, um, to, try to do the things that will bring healing but feeling like you're not making any steps forward. You're just continuing to deteriorate and get worse. What some do in an effort to find and escape from these pains is they begin to self-medicate themselves. I have all this pain going on. I need to find some way to escape this pain. That's why some people that you know have turned to drugs or alcohol and they just want to be numb. I don't believe I'll ever feel good again, but I don't want to feel this again, so I just want to try to keep myself numb in a place of feeling numb. We know that this, that this process does not make anything better for them, but it continues to make it worse and worse and worse. But also some people... Uh, you, you know, you're aware of the dangers of drug and alcohol, and you begin to try to self-medicate yourself with things that are more socially acceptable or things that maybe um, on the outset don't seem destructive, but just little things, whether it's overspending or overeating or, um, or uh, in any of those kind of avenues, you're just, or oversleeping, you're just saying, I want to escape this. In some way. And spending a lot of money and having new stuff makes you feel better for a while. Staying up late, eating banana cream pie makes you feel better for a while. Having an illicit relationship makes you feel better for a while. But all these things actually create more unhealth and make the problem far, they make the problem far worse. And I don't want us to do that. Instead of self-medication, I want to teach you something today. Instead of self-medication, I want you to practice self-edification. 
And one moves from trying to make ourselves feel better, and one moves and shifts the focus onto God and on pursuing Him and developing our relationship with Him. Uh, open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 16. Let me define edification while you turn there. Because edification is probably is not a word that people use other than uh, preaching, I don't think. Edification simply means to build up. So instead of doing all these, instead of uh, self-medicating, which is tearing down and causing further destruction, you're going to begin to do things that build yourself up, that build up your soul, that build up your spirit, and by doing these things now, you're doing things that are going to improve your health. They're going to improve um, the things that you, ultimately improve the pain that you're feeling. And these are things that, as we'll see at the end, um, take the spiritual side of mental health out of the equation. So if, you're, if, you're, if you do have to deal with something physiological, that's the only thing you're dealing with. There's not an enemy tormenting you and attacking you that entire time. And if you're only dealing with something spiritual, then you won't have to deal with that anymore as you begin to practice self-edification. So edification means to build up. Uh, this is sometimes slow. This is sometimes difficult. Sometimes you don't know what you're doing. Sometimes it seems like maybe it's not making fast enough difference or big enough difference, but... The practice of self-edification is something you'd never give up on. You don't quit. And this self-edification self -edification develops health that is both mental, spiritual, and physical. A person who is practicing self-edification is healthy in body, soul, and spirit. And if you have unhealth in one area of your life, if you begin to develop these things in your life, to build up yourself internally, you begin to have victory and you begin to have increased health in these, in these areas. So let me read uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. We're reading about a king named Saul. And Saul had made the decision to walk away from God. He began to kind of be puffed up about himself and he began to make his own decisions and go his own way. And we're going to start reading at verse number 14. I just read through this entire account. It says, Now the spirit of the Lord had left Saul, and the Lord sent a tormenting spirit that filled him with depression and fear. Some of Saul's servants said to him, A tormenting spirit from God is troubling you. Let us find a good musician to play the harp. Whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you, he will play soothing music, and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. One of the servants said to Saul, one of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of, of God, and has good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse to say, send me your son David, the shepherd. Jesse responded by sending David to Saul along with a young goat, a donkey loaded with bread, and a wineskin full of wine. So David went to Saul and began serving him. Saul loved David very much, 
And David became his armor bearer. Then Saul sent word to Jesse asking, please let David remain in my service for I am very pleased with him. Verse number 23. And whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. Before we kind of jump into this passage and I give you some of the things that God tells us to do to edify ourselves and to build up our life, I just want you to decide first what, before you build up, what are you going to build on? When the Bible talks about building a, a, building a life and, and, um, and all, everything that, that, re- that requires of us, it says, are you going to build upon sand that's going to settle and shift and will ultimately cause what you've built to, to fall over and topple and to be destroyed? Or you build it upon a rock. And we know this building principle because all of our houses are built on foundations. And he says, if you're going to build your house, build it upon the rock. Build it upon Jesus. And you can, you can learn some principles here. But without Jesus, without building your life upon him, making a decision to follow him, to know him, and obey him. No matter what, no matter how high you're able to get the structure, no matter how beautiful it is, it's one frost heave, it's one winter away from being cracked, it's one storm from being blown over. But building our life upon Jesus and upon his word gives us something to stand on that we will not be moved from. When the enemy comes and he speaks and he attacks, we are with confidence. No, we are on, this structure has been built on Jesus. It's not going to be destroyed. It's not going to be, uh, it's not going to be wrecked. When it talks in that scripture, it says a couple of things. It says um, a tormenting spirit from God appeared and was harassing Saul. We can look at that and say, oh, God sent that to him. And so the tormenting spirits in my life, God sent that to me too. And it's God ordained, it's God willed, and this is just part of my life. This tormenting spirit came because Saul walked away from God. He exposed himself to the enemy working and attacking him in his life. Saul didn't have to do that. You don't have to do that. And I want to make sure to state this. Your illness is not from him. One of the reasons we know this is because your illness will, you will not have your illness in heaven. You will not. So, With Jesus as the foundation of our life, how do we practice self-edification? How do we build ourselves up? We begin to see some things from the scripture. Saul, even though he wasn't following God, he knew God, and he thought he was okay. He thought everything in his life was good. He, He thought God understood that 
Saul was going to be his ruler now. He, and Saul knew better. And he, he, he thought everything was okay with God. It was all a surprise for him when um, God picked a new king. When this, it was all a surprise. I was like, what do you mean? I've done everything you want. He's like, no, you've disobeyed me all these times. You're not doing anything I want. You're not doing anything I ask. You're serving yourself. You're doing what you want. You're, 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 you're leading this life in this nation where you want it, not where I've willed it. What Saul did is the first thing that we want to do to begin to build ourselves up. Saul was with another believer. And we practice self-edification. We build ourselves up spiritually and mentally and physically by being with other people who believe and follow Jesus. We, we see this happening in a few places in Scripture. So Paul wrote to new Christians there was a problem. New Christians who are married, one spouse would become a Christian, but the other wouldn't. And there's a question, do we leave them? Do we divorce them? What do we do? How do we honor God now that we're following him, but our spouse has, doesn't follow him? And Paul said, to be in a relationship with an unbeliever, um, if you both have come to Christ, so this isn't talking about establishing dating relationships. This is, you've married, now one spouse becomes a Christian. That Christian provides a grace to the unbeliever, a grace to the household. So to be a believer with other believers allows us to give grace to each other and allows us to be under grace with each other. So Sunday morning services at circles, which meet in people's homes throughout the week, um, on your volunteer teams, just even when you're getting together to watch Endgame, you are under a grace when you're with other believers. What happens now when you're with other believers, there's ability for God to speak through another person for you. Prophecy, this is uh, encouragement through another person that comes from God. This edifies the church. This builds each other up. Being here this morning, worshiping together, serving and pouring coffee for each other, taking care of each other's kids, this builds up the church, and this is something that's very important that affects us physically, spiritually, and mentally. It has great value for us. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul told the believers, edify one another, build each other up. And you need to be in a place where you're allowing other people to work in your life. Now, l- let me talk about this because there are people who have deep compassion for other people, deep empathy. And before the series started, um, you know, as, as the conversation about mental health has increased, Christians could say, or people who who um, who have knowledge of Jesus would say, I wish there was something I could do about the mental health crisis. And Paul right here has told us how. To be part of a church, to be building each other up, to be using the gifts that God has put in you. And what we see is if we're someone who, has, who, who says we believe in Jesus and we're saying we're going to choose to follow him, 
but we're not in a place where we're using our gifts within the context of our church, then we're part of the problem. God has equipped us and assembled us together to be, the, to be part of the solution, to be the solution, to edify each other, to build each other up, to protect each other, to pray for each other, to love each other, to serve one another. And when you, you don't do that, you say, no, church is for me. I show up for myself. I leave for myself. You're part of the problem. And so it sounds good to say, I wish I could be part of the solution. I wish there was something I could do. Well, there is something you can do. Serve one another. Pray for one another. Love one another. And you can't do that by saying, I go to church on home, uh, I go to church by myself, or uh, it's just me and God, a relationship is just us. That's not, what he's, that's not what he's called you to do. The second thing here, which we don't see in this text, but we see in another part of scripture, it's in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse number 4. I'll put it up here on the screen. But one of the ways that we edify ourselves is by praying in a prayer language. And it says right here, Paul writes, anyone who speaks in the tongue edifies themselves, but one who prophesies edifies the church. And we just mentioned prophecy. When you give a word of encouragement to the church, it builds up the church. But when you, as an individual, privately go before God in prayer, and you pray in a prayer language, Spirit, it's like a spiritual push-up, spiritual uh, uh, crossfit that you grow spiritually as you pray in a prayer language. And we're kind of, some people have never been to church before today. We're kind of some from all different church backgrounds. But one of the things that talks about in the Bible, which I encourage you to read your Bible and to begin to ask Jesus about, is he says, I'm going to send one after me. He's the Holy Spirit. We call him Comforter because he, uh, because he's such a great comforter because he's so active in our life, and that's what he does for us. But also he does these other things. And as you become baptized in him, you'll have an ability to pray in a prayer language. As you do that, you spiritually build yourself up. Now, I grew up in church that believed all of the Bible believed in, in the things of Acts and believed this scripture, but we never really were taught the scripture. Baptism in the Holy Spirit was a kind of a one-time event that you celebrated, and that was kind of the end of it. But it was something that you were to do as an individual, that you were to do privately, that you were to do for the benefit of yourself. So as you do that, as you pray in a prayer language, you... Um, you're built up. You're built up spiritually, physically, and mentally. In Jude, uh, verse number 20, it says, but you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. Again, be with other believers. Then he says, pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. This is something that if you've never, you've never received or you never experienced, to talk to Jesus about, to open your Bible about and say, is this something you want from me, Jesus, and to pursue anything that he has for you? And this is, if this is something you've received, whether it was three decades ago or three weeks ago, um, that you continue every day to take time to edify yourself, to pray in a prayer language. And what, what the enemy will try to do, because he doesn't want you to have this tool, he doesn't want you to believe in this, he's going to try to bring fear into your life, 
This is scary. He's going to try to get you to question the Bible. I know it's in the Bible, but maybe it was for a long time ago. Maybe it shouldn't be in the Bible. Maybe I shouldn't be in church. He's going to try to get you to, to bail out on believing this or experiencing this or praying for this because he doesn't want you to have the ability through the Holy Spirit to build yourself up in this way. If he can take away this from you, then he's gained a huge advantage, a huge advantage. It would be like the Patriots trying to convince the AFC East that protein was bad. You guys just need to load up on carbs and on fats, and, and then they just like, oh, no protein, and they go to a proteinless diet. What advantage is that going to give them like they need it over that division? But the enemy is trying to convince you, hey, you don't need this. You don't need this. You don't want this. This is scary. Because he doesn't want, he wants to have such a spiritual advantage over you. The last thing we see that was in the scripture is the power of worship to build ourselves up. And the power of worship to gain victory over these things in our life. Look, look at verse number 23 again. It says, whenever the tormenting spirit from God troubled David, uh, troubled Saul, David would play the harp. Then Saul would feel better and the tormenting spirit would go away. David was worshiping. The Bible describes him as being a man with the heart of, uh, uh, with God's own heart. So he wasn't just doing a, doing a, a, a solo here. He's worshiping God like he always did. He wrote so many song, uh, worship songs that are in the Bible. And, uh, and so as David worshiped, Saul received blessing because a, a tormenting spirit is not going to stick around while you worship Jesus. Absolutely will not. So as we lift our voice to sing praise to Jesus, evil, evil has to evacuate that room and that moment because uh, it's not going to stick around. The word Jesus is vile and disgusting and humiliating and offensive and frightening to them. As we, as we sing, not just sing, but worship God. I mean, it, evil evacuates, even in Saul's case, just for a moment. For us, as people who follow him... There's no, there's no reason for us to allow ourselves to be attacked by a spiritual enemy. If we edify ourselves, if we build ourselves up, being around other believers, uh, praying in a prayer language, worshiping Jesus, I mean, you can every day be free from the spiritual causes of, of mental illness. You don't have to live under any of that. And if you're dealing with something physiological, that frees you to only deal with the physiological side of your brain health. So you don't have to deal with all the spiritual attacks and condemnation and lies and deceit that the enemy throws at you because he doesn't have any avenue to work. And what happens is we end up with, with, a, with, a, with a mental health that, um, that is really kind of destruction-proof from the spiritual side of it. Also, as we worship, our eyes are off our problems. They're off our pity. They're off our mistakes. And they're focused on him. 
the author and perfecter of our faith. And what that means is the, the one who knows how to put all this back together. I sold that house in Rochester. It was not a professional repair job. Someone else's problem. But, ha- but if I were to leave this, you know, on the spiritual side of this, I'm not, I'm not putting together and repairing something that's not going to stand the test of time. No, I've brought in the expert who's building my life, healing my mind, and putting my life back together. And the result is a freedom from a mental health. It's only a hell that you're living in because of the spiritual things that are happening. Jesus said this. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's talking about the enemy. And he says this, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And that's you. This is what he has for you. Not to keep living all these problems again over and over again. So what do we do? Well, I want to invite the prayer team at every location to come forward. We are having service together in Dover, in Plymouth, and in Londonderry. We're all going to come together, prayer team at every location, coming forward to the front of whatever room that you're in. This is what we're going to do. We're going to minister to each other. There's something going on in your life. You need someone to pray with you. The prayer team's forward. And we're going to invite you in a moment to come forward, have someone pray with you. Not to be afraid, but to gain, to get victory over what's happening. We are going to leave here, and when we go home, if, we're, if a prayer language is something that we've experienced at some point in our life, we're going to dust that off and pray in it again in our private time. If it's something we've never received, and every morning as we open the Word... And every morning as we pray, say, God, if this is something that I can experience and a tool that you can give me, I ask you to give it to me and uh, just allow him and his timing to, to give you another tool to, uh, to build yourself up. And then as we come to the end, I want us to sing together. So Jeremy is going to come forward and um, he's going to lead us in this song. And every band, every location is going to come to the stage right now at your location where you're at. And we're going to together right now as one church in three locations. We're going to sing together. So I want to invite you, everybody, to stand to your feet. At every location, stand to your feet. We don't want to leave here with the same problems that we, um, that we walked in with. We don't want to live, leave here under the same spiritual attack that, we, uh, that maybe we've been experiencing throughout the whole week. We're going to take a moment, and all together, sing to him, about him, reminding ourselves who he, he is, reminding him who he is, and reminding an enemy who he is. And as we sing, some of you are going to come forward for prayer. Some of you are just going to be minister to your friend who's who you're next to in the seat and pray for one another but there's going to be victory in this moment there's going to be freedom in this moment and some of you you're maybe you're like Saul you don't believe you've gone your own way but even as we begin to worship you will feel something in this moment
you'll feel peace. You'll feel troubles vanish. And what I want you to do, if you've never believed before, at that moment you experience that, to say, all right, Jesus, I'm giving my life to you. I'm making a decision to follow you. And just give him your life right now. Give him your problems. Give him your diagnoses. Give him, uh, give him your troubles. Give him your worries. Give him your whole heart. Let's close our eyes. Um, or or if, you, if you know the song, if not, let's sing this to him. And let's worship him. Jesus, we pray right now for freedom for every person. We pray right now for healing in every person. God, we are not going to live under defeat. We're not going to live in this place where we're feeling like nothing will ever change. Our lives are built upon you. They're built upon your word. And I pray right now against any attack of the enemy in anybody's life against the work of the enemy in anybody's life. And we come against condemnation. We come against attack. We come against these tormenting spirits. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we command them to go. We pray for the peace that passes all understanding. We pray for the love of God, which which casts out all fear, to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. We pray for victory in Jesus' name. If we are not, not going to allow ourselves to live under spiritual attack anymore, we are going to live free. We're going to live victorious. We're going to live. We're going to live without the enemy speaking into our lives, and we're not going to believe his lies any longer. God, I pray for anybody who's living with with a, 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 a with a diagnosed condition from a doctor, and Lord, we know you heal we we've seen in the bible that there are people who um who everybody thought was crazy people who were chained up people who were ignored people who were forgotten and when you showed up in their life everything changed and people showed up astonished who is this guy with all his clothes on who is this guy with a sound mind and what has happened and jesus began to tell them about himself and lord all kinds of all kinds of sicknesses, no matter what kind of sickness, you have authority over it. So I just pray for people and, and the, for the problem in their life. It's a brain chemistry problem. There's, a, there's a, a, a chemical that's not being produced. We speak to every brain. We speak to every gland. And in Jesus' name, we command it to be restored and for it to function again. For these proteins and, and, and chemicals to be produced again. And Lord, we just pray for a healing from these physiological conditions. Lord, for people who have gone through much trauma and much abuse in their life, and has caused their brains to malfunction, and has caused their brains to, um, to, uh, to go into, uh, into safe mode, God, we just pray for healing from the trauma that they've experienced in their life, that they would have that they would give forgiveness, they would receive your, your cleansing, restorative work in their life, and God, they would have healing in their heart and in the depths of their soul from the abuse and the trauma that, have, that has been done to them. God, that they would begin to now have their health, their, their mental health 
restored as they're no longer now reliving these traumas or hiding from these pains. We pray, Jesus, for every single person who will be listening to this online, that they will turn their hearts towards you. They'll worship you in their, in their rooms or in their offices or in their car, and you'll change us. You, haven't, you didn't come and die on the cross and defeat death, hell, and the grave to return to heaven and leave us to our own devices and leave us all alone. Your Holy Spirit is here comforting us, working in our life, praying through us. May we take and, and, and have faith in the victory you've given us. May we walk out of here today different because we know how to defeat the enemy. We know how to walk free from the enemy. We know what place you have. Our life has been built upon you. Lord, we're going to start building it upon you right now. And we are not on our own. These are not our own problems to deal with. We leave them at your feet, and we trust you to do what only you can do. We thank you, Jesus, for victory. We thank you, Jesus, for freedom. We thank you, Jesus, for a good night's sleep. We thank you, Jesus, for, um, for tears of joy. We thank you, Jesus, for a testimony. We thank you, Jesus, for a new identity. We thank you, Jesus, for working in our lives. You are our God. You are our King. And God, you are the doctor above all doctors. And so the diagnosis you gives us, you give us, is the one we're going to believe in. It's the one we're going to walk in. And it's the one we're going to believe. And I, we pray this all, church. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. In, in Jesus' name, if you believe this with me, why don't you say amen. Amen.